Thanks for clocking in to Becoming a Better Nurse podcast. I'm Rebecca. And Aaron. Together, we like to offer ideas, conversations, and solutions to help educate, elevate, and empower nurses. So moving on to part six, we're at the Q&A for stroke, and this will be end the series for uh, strokes. And again, we're highly, highly versed in stroke care. Uh, Rebecca has been basically neuro ICU for many years and I did also neuro ICU for many years and now I'm a stroke coordinator I've been there for three years with a very successful high-performing program so we know a lot about stroke care uh, we both worked at um, comprehensive centers and now I'm at a advanced primary care center leading the program where we are Joint Commission certified so anyways we're gonna ask you guys some questions think about it and I'll, I'll basically be posing the questions to Rebecca she'll be thinking uh, this is off the cuff so she has no idea what I'm gonna ask her and she'll ask me some questions and we'll kind of go from there okay I do want to have a little bit of a caveat about um, stroke strokes and that in general strokes when we when patients leave the hospital their stroke isn't completely evolved and that stroke isn't completely um, um, finished meaning like they might not be stroking anymore but their deficits could be a certain way but the brain is such a fantastic organ you can recreate pathways you can um, recreate um, certain you can stimulate the brain to do a, another uh, part of the of the body if certain things so mm-hmm. whenever your patients are leaving the the don't ever focus on the disability um, as permanent there's just to focus as there's always a possibility you can get better that's why there's therapy that's why there's occupational therapy that's why there's all this stuff because patients learn different pathways learn ways of you know getting more stronger in certain ways and so it doesn't always mean that that's exactly how they're going to be for the rest of their life so yeah that's the whole point of all these um, post-op care patients can definitely get better and now there's new technology out there that hopefully will change the way stroke patients and neuro patients are are treated i mean we have people like elon musk investing into companies like Neuralink, uh, his own company so we'll see if these things actually help improve but supposedly they're they stimulate a certain part of the brain that lacks the stimulation and kind of like the heart you know how you have um if some sometimes there's blockages and you create uh what's called like other pathways what's the uh, some patients uh, create uh, collateral. Collateral. And sometimes so, with the brain, um, there's collateral also with perfusions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And Because the body, and it's crazy, the body, like Rebecca says, is incredible. It does like these crazy things to overcome and survive. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing and yeah. those are things you, you you can't predict you can't control yeah. and it's just as part of like evolution and a part of how, what human life so but uh, needless to say let's go into the Q&A okay you ready okay you gonna go first I'll go first okay. I'll ask you a question all right patient so you get a patient who comes into the ED they're coming into the ED at 9 a.m. Uh, they're having right-sided weakness um, their NIH is a 10 and they so they're coming at 9 a.m. and they're, they basically said that they were normal at 8 a.m. and at 8:15 this these symptoms started. So the question for you is um, question number one: Would you would you consider a stroke? Yes or no? And number two: Why would you consider a stroke? Yes or no? And then number three: Would you administer a thrombolytic? Yes or no? And number four: Why? If yes, why? And if no, why? 
Well, I would definitely consider a stroke first and foremost because the NIH is 10. It was uh, sudden onset and it was just in 45 minutes, well, an hour prior to coming to arrival to the ED. Mm -hmm. So you just go through all the parameters, find the CT, check to see if if it's a bleed or not. And if it is a bleed, I'm not going to do a thrombolytic. We're going to do a CT angio and maybe do a thrombectomy or a, uh, some sort of stent or some sort of like whatever coiling that they might need. And then um, number two, if it is an embolic stroke or a, um, uh, ischemic stroke, then I would definitely um, consider TBA or TNK, sorry, um, because they're, as long as they follow the criteria, if their blood pressure is good, blood sugar is good, I would make them patient optimal to get them ready to accept the TNK. Obviously, education and making sure that they understand what they're doing and then involve any family. And then if, uh, and then you monitor them and follow the protocols for that. Was that all the questions? Yeah, so, and you said, yeah, so basically stroke because of the NIH is high and the, and the onset deficits. You did say a thrombolytic and you said yes because of the, basically the onset. Their last known normal was well, yeah, and well under four and a half hours. So that's why you would use um, IV tenecta place only if they're not bleeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's important. Okay, so that's question number one. Very, that's a very simple, very <laughs> cut, very typical stroke case. Um, we'll try and complicate things a little bit more. If you guys think those questions are easy, go ahead. So, Aaron, what if your patient comes to the ED and they have stroke-like symptoms? NIH is ten, and the family's with them. And they say their last known normal was at dinner time around, they forget, 6 o'clock, 6.30, and it's now um, 10.30 at night. So they said they were normal when we ate dinner, but you know what? I don't know exactly. When did we eat dinner? I don't know. Maybe it was 5. Maybe it was 4. I don't know. But it was, it, it, but they were normal. Do you, what do you consider treatment for that? Uh, so with any stroke patients, you always want to make sure you do a head CT to see if they're bleeding or not. And then if they're not bleeding, um, you, you might want to consider IV thrombolytics. But the, the, the thing is, in this scenario, the family is not really sure of the last known normal. So you really have to push and see exactly not when the symptoms started, when the actual last known normal was. And if they say, well, I know for sure that this patient was last normal at dinner time, which was at, let's say, 5 o'clock. But the patient's in the hospital at 10:30. That's that's a that's well um, beyond the time that you can give IV tenecteplase or alteplase. So the patient would not qualify. However, uh, based on their NIH and any advanced imaging, if this patient does have an LVO of some sort, they would they, they they're still a candidate for intervention where they can go in and do a thrombectomy. So what if they're sitting there and you guys decided not to do the the, the thrombolytic because um, the time limit and then they have the receipt and it shows, oh yeah, we had dinner and it was at 6.30 and now your hour passed the window because you waited because you were under the impression that the time was off. What do you do then? Well, at that, you usually want to get all that information as soon as you can and usually that would take hopefully under five or ten minutes but then if you find out later like in so the patient's in the hospital now, now for an hour decided, and, then, yeah. and the family's like wait a minute they were you know uncle bob comes in and he's like oh yeah this guy was normal at this time i swear to god and everybody agrees and it's still the patient's been now ED, it's past the time bd for an hour i mean the right thing to do is to give the patient the thrombolytic if they still qualify for it i mean look 
we can talk about hospital metrics. We can talk about the hospital posting all this public information, and you know it might what it might not look good. It might not look good metric wise, um, but the bottom line is we're trying to take care of patients. And even if we go over our certain goals and metrics, if the patient can still receive the medication and improve, that is the bottom line, and that is the best quality of care you can you can give to any patient. You will be surprised how many times patients are not cut and dry about timing, about what's going on. There's such a gray story involved with that. So that's all. Yeah, that's all. That's all. I mean, yeah, that's all. And, and, and as a staff nurse and a coordinator and everything, you're balancing multiple things patient information, doctor orders, decisions. Uh, you're looking at goals that we have to meet for the hospital. So it's, it's a very difficult place to be in. So that's why you want to try your best to get all your ducks in a row from the beginning. You know, a stroke patient's coming in, get a weight immediately, uh, get a last known normal immediately, and just get as much information as you can immediately. Um, it, it, it takes a team, it takes a process. Uh, you can't do it on your own, there's absolutely no way. You need a, 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 a team to make sure you are addressing all the issues and, and needs that you need to. Okay, so Your turn. No, next question. Okay, uh, so same patient, they come in, um, my scenario, eight o'clock, last no normal, they came in at 9 a.m., but um, their NIH is 26. They have no bleed. <laughs> They're, they, would they be a candidate? This is kind of like a true question. Uh, let's see if you know this. I forget the NIH topic. Would I think they, you had said. Would they be a candidate for IV thrombolytic? For an hour after? That's quite an NIH for an hour after. Yeah, I'll just answer it for you. The answer according, well, that's a really high NIH. So... It's, that usually it's actually doesn't an exclude- happen until it's no. like usually been evolved for yeah. a couple hours. Like a patient goes to bed, and then their wife wakes them up, and they can't wake them up, and then that's when their NIH is like twenty six. But they're way beyond help. They're not going to get yeah, any exactly. So typically, that doesn't happen like that within an hour, right? That just sounds crazy. That's a that's a whole brain. Um, yeah, correct. Half a half a brain. Um, Infarct. So, yeah, so it's very likely. You would get a T. I would give them a TPA. I would give it to them if so, they came in an hour, an hour, and it was this huge one. Although I do a CTA be as well because the thrombectomy yeah. might actually be a better option than uh, TPA because so, you need to take that thing out. And it's the huge. situation is questionable. To, and it's probably in the carotid and not in the brain. <laughs> probably, but in these situations, kind of questionable to, you know, if they were that bad, you gotta really, you know. Th- you got to very verify the last known well, but a lot. But these that's actually an exclusion criteria according to um, certain guidelines. If the NIH is extremely extremely high like that, they'll usually it's also it's it's usually an exclusion criteria um, because there probably won't be any any benefit to it. So yeah. just to, I, for that, that scenario, really an hour after, I would still try because that's an hour, and then you know you don't have a lot of brain death from that. However, if it was way, pa- if it was outside, even if it was four hours, that well, I wouldn't do anything for that because that means that there's a there's um, been four hours of whole br- half a brain being dead. So, and of course, the bottom line is you want to do whatever you can to to help improve these patients, especially if they were normal. And so, usually, 
I mean, if they're that bad with an NIH that bad, get some advanced imaging as quickly as possible. And I'm not talking about nurses because you guys can't order this, but suggest to the physician, advanced imaging, let's get a CT angio, CT perfusion, and see exactly what's going on so you get all the information. And then from there, you can make a, a, an educated guess. Not you, but the physicians, but you also have that information in front of you as well. So, so what about the scenario where a patient comes in, <clears throat> the family knows the guidelines, this is his second stroke, they know... They know that they've been through this before, and they know that their last no normal was outside the window, but they lie, and they say that it was only two hours ago as opposed to five hours ago. Well, what? so you don't even you don't know if they're lying or not. They just you kind of just have to go with what they tell you. Yeah. So, I mean, what, I, what would you do? We're not here playing guessing games. So if if they lie and you have no idea that they're lying, but they're giving you that information. I mean, you just you have to go with the information they give you, right? I mean, that's right. that's the bottom line. And then you find out later after you give the medication that they go, oh, I'm sorry, I lied. Well, okay, well, you can't do anything from there. You have to you have to document document the information that's given to you, um, because you can only go by what, what what information you have in front of you. And 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 if the information in front of you is the family member saying that yeah, the last no normal was at this time, that's the information you got to go with. I mean, you can't pick and choose with with this. And then later on, they're like, oh, after you give the medication, oh, I'm sorry, it was actually... They were we wanted them to get the medication because we know that it's going to help them, so we lied and... Um, All right, so yeah, just, that's it. look, just, <laughs> just document that. I mean, you're going to have... We are humans, and some humans do some really messed up things. That's just the reality. So if, if somebody did that, them knowing full well, because I, I, the population doesn't know very much about IV thrombolytics, so it's, it would be very difficult for somebody to... Make up family a, a member like could that. be, um, but yeah, so family member could be healthcare a, a, worker, an ass, and want to, you know, they might know all the tricks. Document that. Document exactly what they said, so that in case that ever gets pulled up and there's some issues, it is recorded that they did something sleazy. Well, sometimes patients, the family members, I'm, I'm going to say too that the pa- the family lied and they didn't tell anybody. They're keeping it a secret because they wanted the patient to get thrombolytic. Well, then um, just know this, you run, they run the risk of a bleed, reperfusion bleed, and that makes their stroke worse. So you really want to encourage family members to not lie, to be honest, because there are other options available for the family member, the patient. They don't have to get a thrombolytic. They don't have to lie to get best very, care. But that's very unlikely that will ever happen. And people are usually in these high stress situations, they're going to want to help their family members as much as possible. So I don't foresee anybody ever lying. I mean, nobody's ever lied to us. Um, that you know of. I don't know of, yeah. <laughs> a lot of times it's mostly they're really confused as to the exact timing of things and they don't want to give somebody the wrong answer because they're, you know, they're mm. afraid and it's high level situations. So I wouldn't see that. So again, just go with what's given to you. But again, I we're humans, so we're capable of doing a lot of things even lying in, in these situations. So, yeah. Um, I can't think of any other questions. Do you have any? Well, um, how about a hemorrhagic question? So the family finds their loved one. A husband finds his wife in the garage. She's passed out. She was doing laundry. He knows it's not, she's not, you know, it's obviously not um, healthy looking situation. Calls 911. And she, um, they find out she has a bleed and it's been, um, they don't know how long she's been down. Her NIH is 25 and she's bleeding. So 
what would you think the main priority was for her care? So that's really bad, and it's hard to come back from something like that. It's it's doable. Um, you don't know that you don't know when she was down. Mm. And there's God. not a parameter for downtime when it's a hemorrhagic bleed, by the way. Um, I mean, I think the important thing is also check a GCS. If your GCS is like eight or, or um, lower. Less than a six. Uh, you got to intubate her. <laughs> right. Uh, so what's your care? What would be your priority of the care for that patient? Uh, I, guess, I guess I would do ABCs. Mm. And so airway. And so clearly these people are not going to be able to breathe on their own. So you got to intubate. Um, check, you know, check their vitals. Check their... their, their, their um, their vitals, blood pressure. Obviously, keep the blood pressure down under 160, 140. If it's a subarachnoid, you're going to be doing imaging to verify where exactly the bleed is coming from, and then, um, and then from there, you you look and see if after medication, if surgical intervention is necessary, and the physicians think it's going to improve. Um, a lot of times, it won't, and if it won't, a lot of times physicians will consult palliative because these are very um end of life situations i mean i I had a friend when i was younger um and i just started uh, neuro icu i was in my 20s he passed out while he was working out um we took him to the hospital because he had a seizure in the gym and they found a subragnar hemorrhage and then he went comatose in under in under um several hours and he basically died within like a couple days so he was young too he was like in his 20s so the stroke isn't the main priority with a patient like that. That doesn't become the priority. It becomes saving their life if they're a full code. So then the stroke becomes secondary. It's not that it's ignored, but yeah, you're going to save their life, maintain their stability, and then worry about the stroke. What intervention can be done and if the intervention is going to help. And you won't, don't be surprised if you have some neurosurgeons say that the patient can't come back from this. Now, sometimes perfusion studies show um, reversible ischemia if it's repaired, but that means the patient's got to survive surgery. It's got to survive. It's got a lot of obstacles. Survive um, reabsorption of all the blood. They have to survive. You have to see what stroke disabilities they have, and then they have to go through the rigmarole of, you know, getting all that done. So it needs to... The doctors need to be fully honest with the family members about this. And a lot of times you'll find these young people, the, the families are, aren't expecting their loved one to be down, let alone died that day. So you're going to see a lot of effort done with these patients and they're in the hospital for a long time. Well, that ends our stroke series. And if you guys have any questions or concerns and maybe something wasn't clear to you, just reach out to us and let us know. We'll Send clarify. Us a yeah, we'll clarify every everything we went over. And um, if you have any questions, send us or comments. Please send us some information, and we will try and do some more series topics um, that we are passionate about or you guys want to listen to. Just let us know. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Time to clock out. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please hit the like button and subscribe. Stat. Follow us on. Instagram, you can find us on Becoming a Better Nurse. Until next time.